In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. It seems like in the last few years, there have been more and more movies and TV series about parallel universes, about alternate realities, about the idea that there are these other worlds that exist. And, and these movies and TV series, they take a ton of different forms, but the en entertainment industry seems to be sort of enthralled by this idea, which suggests to me that they're feeding a population who are also really enthralled by this idea. Some of you may have watched series like The Good Place, which shows a parallel universe, um, a place you go to when you die, but a world that runs concurrently with ours. Then there are tons of other movies and series about the idea that there's another you out there, another version of you living another life, making different choices. Or even just the idea that there are other timelines operating at the same time. And then there's that whole extra category of alternate reality, which could really be anything that just is radically different from our world that looks completely different and takes us out of ourselves because it's so removed from our life and from reality as we know it. The entertainment industry is all over these options. You don't have to look very far to find them. And sci-fi fans in particular consume all this at a wild pace, but I have to believe it's not just them or it wouldn't be so widespread in the industry at some point. It's a, it's a response to quite a lot more of us, I think, who are looking for something. And maybe it's true that part of that is about the pandemic and that we all needed a bit of an escape. Is that it? Is that what's so intriguing about these alternate realities? Is it about the escape? Or is it about different paths, about the road not taken, a curiosity about what could have been? Is it about living or building or having a different kind of world? In the gospel, Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd. Now, this is probably one of the most beloved passages in our scripture because it is so comforting and so reassuring. There's a reason we visit Good Shepherd Sunday every year, and it's because the promises of this loving and good shepherd don't leave us when trouble comes. Our good shepherd isn't afraid of the wolf and won't trade us for anything. The good shepherd who is even willing to die to lay down his life to keep us safe. And there's often something said on this particular Sunday and on several of the other Sundays where sheep appear predominantly present in the gospel about how not smart sheep are, about the flock mentality that's important. And maybe some of you saw online in the last few weeks this um, hilarious but also sort of sad and troubling little video of a sheep getting pulled out of some kind of trench. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to describe it, but if you have seen it, you, you know sort of the awkward hilariousness of it that I'm, that I'm talking about. So, so there's a sheep who's, who's in a trench. That's how the video starts, you know, head down in this trench. And all you can kind of see are the, the legs and the hindquarters of this sheep. And someone reaches in to pull it out, pulls it out carefully, sets it free. And the sheep runs off, bounds maybe like 20 yards away down, you know, down toward the house or whatever is in front of you. And then really joyfully, and really honestly, really joyfully, the sheep then dives headfirst back into the trench in the same position it was in before, just 20 or 30 yards ahead of you. And it lodges itself again in the midst of this, probably requiring more help. And I wanna be clear that the sheep doesn't fall into the trench. It's not like the sheep is sort of sauntering slowly, having a nice stroll. Instead, the sheep literally runs, like, like jumps, runs, and then dives straight in. 
with all of its might. Like it's, like it's doing something joyful and helpful. This is a biblically congruent image of a sheep and of the good shepherd actually, who time and time again comes to aid the sheep, to help the sheep get out of whatever mess it's in, to wait patiently until it messes up again, and then to help out some more. And it's an interesting image of us, right? It's not particularly flattering. We talk about that whenever we talk about sheep. This, this analogy that Jesus often draws between us and sheep is not a flattering one. Um, but we still find ourselves helped and freed and forgiven by Jesus, by God's grace. And like the sheep in the video, we feel that for a moment when it happens. And, and there is this sort of joyful, exuberant couple of moments, right? before we go and kind of tie ourselves down again and dive headfirst back into whatever trench we happen to like that particular day. And the gospel today, the reason we love it is that it is so calm and loving about this reality. Jesus is very matter of fact, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for you. And it's very clear that there is nothing that we can do that will take that away from us. In the passage from 1 John, we get a little more explanation, a little more theological interpretation of what Jesus is saying in the gospel. It's explained to us that this is how we know what love is, because of who Jesus is, because of what he does for us, because of the love we see in him, because of his promise that he will always come and lift us gently out of the trench, no matter how many times we get ourselves stuck in it. But then the passage goes on in 1 John to talk about more than just love the way that we think about it as people. If Jesus loves us this way, this overwhelming, persistent, perfect love, then the text suggests that we ought to learn to love each other that way. If Jesus lays down his life for us, then we ought to learn to lay down our lives for each other. And on the one hand, while that seems sort of cut and dry, and we think, yes, I know what that means, it's not very easy to do. What Jesus is building, and what's being explained to us further in our epistle this morning, is in fact some kind of alternate reality. It is certainly very different than the world that we live in, than the world that I know, than the world that we see when we turn on the news, or when we drive around even, and experience people's anger and frustration and isolation and anxiety, and particularly when we see on the news that our black and brown brothers and sisters are being hurt and killed. We live in a world that teaches us to be individuals and to imagine that we can secure ourselves, that we can stand on our own two feet, and that we don't in fact need anyone or anything, and certainly not the flock as a whole. Definitely not the sheep on the other side of the flock who we don't know and don't like very much. And yet what Jesus is asking us to do, what he's showing us with his life, what's being explained to us in 1 John, is a different kind of world. It's not just a different timeline, it's a complete departure from the world that we live in. And that's because Jesus is trying to show us how to build the kingdom, how to literally build, create, imagine, and occupy an alternate universe called the kingdom of God. And here's what it looks like. In the kingdom of God, there is a cosmic struggle overarching the whole universe in the mix of everything. It is the struggle between good and evil, a constant nagging, a constant choosing, a constant ability for each person to choose who they will be, a choose your own adventure, if you will, to choose which side you're on and which team you wanna be a part of. 
And each person has a role to play in this cosmic struggle that only that person can play. And it's not a small part. It's not a line here or there. No, everything anyone does actually gets tallied up somehow for one side or the other, and it affects the rest of the sheep. So the actions of each individual person, each individual sheep matter tremendously and contribute to the overarching struggle, like one big game or one big scoreboard. The good team's captain is the good shepherd and the evil team's captain is the wolf who tries to come and steal the sheep away, first in little ways, getting them to score against their team here and there in small, seemingly harmless ways. But eventually that scoring gets addictive and so does what feels like the freedom and the defiance and the sense of accomplishment and security and individualism. And then it's easier for the wolf to lead the sheep away. In fact, it's second nature then for the sheep to dive headfirst into that trench over and over again, thinking that they're joyful and free and that what they're doing is a good thing. The good news is that it's not over for the good shepherd when that happens. He's still got a couple of ways of staying, of saving the sheep, of looking for them, of calling them back, of pulling them out of the trench that they've so intentionally jumped into and burying their heads in the darkness. The good shepherd still comes back and lays down his life for the sheep. But there's one piece about this alternate reality that's really important, and it's about the sheep's understanding. Now, we've talked about the fact that sheep are not that bright, and it takes them a while to understand things, and truthfully, I think that's true for us. We often make the same mistakes over and over again, and it takes us a while to sort of catch on and understand things. And so it's important that the sheep, and so us, need to remember and understand that all the sheep are equal. Each of them entitled to the same grass, water, warmth, food, shelter, love, connection. All of them with the same ability to score points and contribute. All of them equally worthy of being sought after by the good shepherd when they've gone astray. And they have to understand that not only are they equal, they're in it together. That flock mentality is really important. They're meant to take care of each other. So much so that if they claim to be sheep who belong to the good shepherd, they're not just willing to share their worldly goods, but actually willing to love the other sheep, all of them, so well that they're willing to lay their lives down. To love sincerely, not just in word or speech, but in action. Because life is really about the health and safety of the whole flock. That's what abundance is. It's everyone together. Not just one sheep sort of making his way in the world, but the whole flock finding its way to the safe pasture. And notice that in the text, it's very clear, the action that we're supposed to take comes in two very specific forms. One is using our worldly goods to help someone in need, and the other is laying down our lives for the other sheep. So in this alternate reality, which is starkly different from the world that we live in, there are deep connections between us and all the other sheep. Connections so meaningful that they're willing to give up stuff. That the sheep who are focused on the flock, who are focused on the whole, who have their heads in the game, who are trying not to dive back into that trench over and over again, are willing to give their money, their resources, to give of themselves using all that they have and all that they are, even their bodies, to protect, love, and enrich the lives of their fellow sheep, to make sure that each one 
is safe and has what they need. And here's the, here's the thing about the alternate reality that Jesus is creating, this kingdom that we're supposed to not just study and learn about and come to believe in, but that we're actually meant to build right now, today, in our lives. We're supposed to believe so much in that alternate reality that Jesus creates that we can't help but try to build it and start acting like we already live there. Like we can see that cosmic struggle, like we have picked a team and like we know what we do is important. Like all of our neighbors, no matter who they are or what color their skin is or where they come from or what language they speak or who they love are part of the same flock. We're meant to live like all of our neighbors, our sheep along with us, all on the same team, all part of the same flock, all under the good shepherd. We're meant to believe so much in that kingdom, in that alternate reality, to believe that it is real that it is possible, that Jesus has already started to create it, that we actually start to build it now by the way that we live, not just in word, but in action. Now, truthfully, here's the hard news about that, and that is that not one of us lives up to that. Not one of us can do that all the time, not me, not any of us. But the idea is that if we believe, if we would choose that reality, if we would choose to escape the world that we live in and choose instead to live in the kingdom of God, then we can start small and grow and build. That together our faith can be nurtured and our love multiplied and that with some practice, we may just someday find ourselves in a place where we are ready actually to make the big plays. When, when the time of trial comes and the opportunity is in front of us, we might be ready to choose to make the big scores, the big plays, to lay down our lives for each other, to give of, our, of ourselves, and to contribute to the final victory of love. Love that sees and protects everyone, love that makes it possible for all the sheep to graze safely, to breathe, to be. So the question this week is, do you believe in this alternate reality? Is it the place where you want to live? Is it your heart's desire? Is it the world that you're trying to build for yourself and for your family and for our community? Can you see your way to loving and protecting all of God's sheep? O oh God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads to be the loving, just world you would have us build, to lay down our lives for each other, to be more and more like the Good Shepherd. Amen.